taking of the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello everyone. We've been praying for you. Remember, never lose sight of the prize, and that's Jesus. And pray for those around you and take care of each other. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your neighbors. There's people out there that need to need to have a covering of prayer over them, and we just ask that you do that for everybody. Pray over the Bellator Christie podcast and the Bellator Christie uh, ministries. We just we need your prayers. We covet them, and we we just urge you to keep praying for others. Well, let's welcome Brian Chilton. Hello, Brian. Hey, Curtis. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. If you hear some rumbling over here, uh, we have just had a massive uh, thunderstorm. Uh, one unlike uh, I, one unlike one I've seen here recently. It's uh, a lot of lightning, a lot of wind, and uh, st- still uh, still rumbling out there. So, uh, but thankfully, okay. I think everything's fairly good out there. We had like a little look like a little river of water going in the front yard <laughs> earlier, <laughs> but uh, but th- thankfully everything seems to be pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Well, interestingly, though, we we got uh, we got worse with this thunderstorm than we did even with the uh, the hurricane that came through. the The edge of the storm actually uh, was just east of us, so we really didn't get a whole lot from it. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're still we're still hot and dry and burning up over here. So, bless your heart. It's just it's just that 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 time of year. So. Hey, we uh, we have an announcement we have to make here on uh, some Im- important information for the Bellator Christie podcast. If you listen to us um, on the Google Podcast uh, app, the Google uh, Google Play, then you'll want to go. Um, things are changing there. Google sent us an email and, and said that they're changing some things. So um, if you want to know f- the full information, go to the Bellator Christie website, and, and it's actually the first uh, – one of the first articles that'll pop up, and I know the podcast article will be up here uh, tonight. But but if you go there, you'll see it. It was August fifth, the uh, August fifth uh, article. Um, but uh, let's just see here. Um, important information for our Bellator Christie podcast subscribers, particularly for those who listen to the podcast on Google Play Music. We are informed. Uh, we were informed this afternoon that YouTube Music will replace Google Play Music later this year. As a result, all podcasts, including the Bellator Christie podcast found on Google Play, will be moved to the Google Podcast Manager. The Bellator Christie podcast was transferred to Google Podcast Manager as of today. And here's how this impacts you, our listeners. If you subscribe to the Bellator Christie podcast on Google Play, You will need to find the show on Google Podcast Manager and subscribe to the show on the new app. If you you subscribe to to the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, uh, you are unaffected by this change. And I also want to say I use Overcast as the other podcast app that I use um, personally, so uh, that's unaffected also. so, subscribing to the Bellator Christie podcast on Google Podcast Manager is quick and easy, and it takes less than a couple of minutes. So, if you go to the website, you'll see um, the article put up there by Brian, and you'll be able he he walks through a few photos there, showing you which uh, where where to click, subscribe buttons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, if you have any issues or anything like that, kind of can't figure it out, um, just email, ask us. We'll kind of maybe help you get get through it. So, uh, anyway, Brian, you had something else you want to mention? Yeah, I just wanted to touch base on an article that I, I wrote uh, last last well, I believe it was last week or last Friday. Uh, yeah, last week. C- concerning concerning uh, we here at Bellator Christie and and politics, and and this this has this has a lot to do with uh, some conversations I had with some folks 
uh, last week concerning the direction that many apologetic ministries are taking regarding politics. Uh, and and this isn't to dismiss any any other apologetic ministry out there, uh, but some people are getting really focused on political affiliations and political issues, and um, I, I'm just really convicted that we need to keep the gospel front and center in everything that we do and say. And so, yes, we're still going to engage in uh in issues biblical issues theological issues regarding the uh i mean the the importance of life the importance of the unborn uh we're going to talk about you know the um the 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 serious issues and some of those issues will overlap into the political sphere but our, our our focus isn't on politics our focus is on god uh, is on Christ and is on the Holy Spirit. It's on theology and apologetics. So I just want to remind our, our uh, listeners, our readers out there at Bellator Christie, that uh, you know we, we remain focused on uh, taking up the sword of the Christian theology and taking up the shield of Christian apologetics, uh, promoting a theology, promoting the defense of the faith. That's 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 our bread and butter, and that's what we're that's what we want to intend to focus on. Right, right. And I want to add something there, if I can add to that, Brian. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, I believe that we need to always be a person of Christ uh, that realizes that some things we need to lay aside while we have conversations with people so we can point them to Christ Jesus. And then absolutely. let the Spirit convict them and let that information be something that we can have to help them see clearly. Mm -hmm. Now, some may say that that's a pushover stance, but if we cause one person to stumble, we lose the opportunity for the Spirit to work. But if it's Jesus that causes the stumbling, well, we knew that going in. That's such a very good point, and it seems like we've lost the focus of, like even Paul, well, two things. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. This this is not just for the people who, who think like us, and uh, and who act like us, uh, Jesus uh-huh. said even to love your enemies and pray for those who uh, abuse you. So th- these are all acts of love. And he even says something: what you know, if you love someone who loves you, what good is in that? Where's your reward in that? Um, and but Paul also says that we should strive to live in peace with all people as much as depends on us. And yes, I realize that we have. A lot of groups out there that are promoting different agendas. We're in the midst of a very nasty political election year. We're, we're, we've got a pandemic going on. People are stressed. But, you know, Kurt, Curtis, something happened to my wife and I just yesterday that just verifies our need to focus on the gospel and to focus on the things that matter. Um we went to a Texas Roadhouse restaurant in our area, and they had all the things with the pandemic set up where you wore your mask, you, you, you were waited in line outside, they called your number, then you came in, and they had everything really well organized. The, the lady, the waitress who was there, uh, really nice lady, she had just clocked in, and they had already given her three tables. Um, we were the only table that was nice to her. One guy came in, and he was nasty, cussing her up one side down the other because she hadn't brought his beer already because he'd been waiting there for a long time. Another couple was arguing where the husband told the wife, well, you're not going to like anything on the menu anyhow. And so it's just nastiness. And she said there's just a, a an aura of, of nasty attitudes here lately. And this was in an urban area as well. But, but, the, but, the, but the point is, is that we may be the only Bible some people ever read and we need to be salt and light and we need to let the light of Christ shine through our lives and a lot of times I'm afraid we get so caught up in these political conflicts and conversations that we lose the focus on where it really needs to be and that's on Christ right right yeah and um, Nate Sala on and Gene Gosworth Logan Judy they they, they have a podcast and and a a ministry called a clear lens and they're one of their 
big main ministry pushes is what's called first state evangelism. And it's having that ability to, the first time you meet somebody, to actually engage with them and have conversations that actually help you move to the next step, Mm. which would be being able to talk about Christ. And if we take that and we all of a sudden um, were the we're the jerk and we drive away with the fish on our car that really doesn't do us any good um, we need to be mindful of that you know Curtis you said something that was really dead on the money and and that is if, if there's got to be an offense let it come from from the gospel yeah but don't let that offense come from us and I think that's what Peter is talking about in first Peter 3 15 and 16 he's talking about you know you know by all means give the defense give the reason for the hope that's within you you know give the defense but at the same time, do it with winsomeness, you know. So if if there has to be an offense, let it come from the gospel, not from us. I think that was really right. well said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jesus said, you know, even even in him himself in his ministry, uh, as you read through the the scriptures, you you see in his ministry, there were many that came to him that left offended, but he didn't offend them. It was the it was the gospel that offended them. It was the the fact of who they were when they faced themselves. And that's what we got to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so our uh, our podcast today is uh, the start, the kick-up start of the the uh, uh, the attributes. The, we went over them last week, and we had the um, all the main kind of topics of the attributes that we want to cover. And uh, we know that there's going to be a lot of rabbit holes that go with each one of these now. <laughs> no doubt about it. And <laughs> and this is one of the reasons why, why, why I say in theology that you can go in one room and you can expect it to five, find five more entryways to five more additional rooms and it. You go in one of those and it goes in a tent. I mean, because it never it never ceases because there are all these different nuances to to the attributes of God that is. Uh, I think is quite remarkable, to be honest. I, I think it shows that this is not something that the, the the existence of God and what we find in Scripture that wasn't something that came by the mind of a person, but it's right. showing the revelation of the true God. Right, and what's what is what I mean? It, I shouldn't say it this way. What's crazy about it is the fact that it all ties together. It would be like somebody knew what they were writing when they wrote it all. Absolutely, <laughs> but, but we understand the you know the author of this book is is the Holy Spirit. He used many fallen human people to write it, but through that, there's one common thread and one common knowledge. But in it is knowledge that's so deep, um, it's unreal. And you're right. It's what was it, like something over fifteen hundred years that took for the Bible yeah. to be written. Over forty yeah. authors, and yeah. uh, yet there's one common message. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, and we can pull out truths like the omnipresence and and uh, the omni. It's it just all of this. It's amazing to me to hear um, as we dig through this to hear some of this stuff. That's just uh, it's pretty neat. So let's get into it and uh, let's uh, do a recap on what is omnipresence. Let's get that started, and then uh, we can go into uh, where we find that in scripture. Well, these omni words are, are uh, omni comes it comes from a Latin Latin word as uh, omni or omnis. I think it's omnis, uh, but it, it means all. Uh, so when we say the omnipresence, omnipresence is God's ability to be in all places at all times. Uh, it really underscores God's transcendent nature in that He is unlimited in space and time, but it also shows His imminence in that He is very near endear to each in each person so even though god is beyond the scope of space and time he has the ability to be with everyone at the same time because he is not limited as we are uh i mean oh what i will give right now i mean we've got a thunderstorm well how nice it would be just to transport myself to to montana and us do this podcast together in the same room but i don't we don't have that ability i don't have that ability to be to do that, but God does. He can be in all places at all times, uh, and that's, that's something that God would have to have as one of His necessary attributes. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and uh, so maybe this, maybe we can cover this a little bit later. Um, but in the omnipresence, does this even go into um, different dimensions? Um, is that is that what is that kind of where this is going to lead? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't planned to, to cover that, but I think that is a yeah. I, uh, this so let, let let me pause and say that there are good reasons for believing that there may be as many as eleven dimensions in the universe, and chances are even are even probable that there may be as many as twenty eight. The problem is, when you start talking about dimensions, that our ability to even understand uh, what these dimensions are, it breaks down by the 10th dimension. The 11th dimension is really no way for us to even understand that. But, but, but there's possible that it could go up to 28 dimensions. If there are 28 dimensions, God would be in every single dimension and even beyond that dimension. So, if you say there's 28 dimensions, and say the 29th dimension is, is is the ultimate, God would be in all 29 dimensions. He would be beyond the scope of however many dimensions there are in the universe. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of knew I was going to throw throw that out at you. <laughs> and actually, as we go through this, if I can find it, there's a website that talks about some of these uh, these dimensions, uh, but let me type it in as we're going through. I'm not sure if I can find it or not, but I'll try to. Okay. So um, we, we were discussing and, and wanted to kind of show this to people. Um, and so the question is, does the Bible refer to God's omnipresence? Yes, absolutely. And, and there are a lot of scriptures we have here. So maybe if you want us to take turns uh, in, um, in, in, in reading through this, um, I can go ahead and read the first one. Our first reference comes to us from Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. We spoke about this last week. Uh, the, the psalmist writes, I believe it's David writing this, where can, I go from, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this one is kind of kind of cool because this is in Amos uh, 9, 2 through 3. But what's interesting about Amos is that he kind of goes into um, very similar as the Psalms, but he he kind of gets a little bit more graphic. Um, and uh, I think God's giving us giving us a sign of approval because the whole house just rattled with thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Had a lightning strike close by. Huh? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but in Amos uh, Amos uh, nine two through three. Um, he, he goes into it, it's a little more graphic than what uh, what we even find in the Psalms. And it says, If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent, and he shall bite them. <laughs> and so he... No matter where you go, there he's there. <laughs> There's no uh, escape. <laughs> no getting away. Yeah. yeah, no getting away there. Jeremiah yep. twenty three, twenty three, and twenty four is another one. It says, "Am I a God who is on, who is uh, only near? This is the Lord's declaration, and not a God who is far away. Can a person hide in secret places where I cannot see him?" The Lord's declaration. Do I not feel the heavens and the earth? The Lord's declaration. And you know what, Curtis? Is I was I had never thought about Jeremiah, and you were the one who who listed most of these scriptures. Yeah. I had never yeah. thought about Jeremiah twenty three, twenty three, and twenty four. 
He fills the heavens and the earth. Uh, that is a clear indication of right. of God's uh, omnipresence. Yeah, when I read that, it just I was like, oh wow, look at here, he fills it. Because I was what I was trying to think of is where um, uh, you know it's talking about God's throne room and, and you know how His robe fills the the throne room of heaven. Um, and but I was like, no, there's something else, and I just happened to kind of um, was doing some searching and doing some Bible kind of Bible searching in, in online and trying to you know do some. Uh, you know, basically trying to dig through some of the stuff and find some scripture to add. And when I come across Jeremiah 23, I'm like, hmm. And when I read it, I'm like, well, there's another one <laughs> that points out all of that. Yeah, pretty crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, so the other one um, is uh, is in Genesis uh, 28, 15 through 16. Um it says, Behold, I am with you and and will keep you wherever you wherever you go. So so remember that. It says, I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now he goes on and says, but you you, you look at that, even though at that time Jacob's Jacob and was seeing things where they were going to be dispersed and be. God says, "I'm going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you." So it's powerful. Absolutely. So um, Deuteronomy four thirty nine is our next one. It says, "Today recognize and keep in mind that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below." There is no other. So no matter where you go, no matter whether it's in heaven or if it's on earth, God is there. Hmm. Yeah. And then um, Joshua 2, uh, 2.11, and it says, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. So even there, it's, it's showing his uh, presence even in in heaven and on the earth. It didn't say or. It says and. Absolutely. And there's yeah. something to be said on that with uh, Jesus's point that he makes in the Lord's Prayer where, or the model prayer where he says, you know, for us to pray yeah. the Lord's will be done as it's been given in heaven to for it to come about on earth, that we would be the instruments of God bringing forth his will. And so uh, Proverbs fifteen three is our next one. It says, the eyes of the Lord. I love this one. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere observing oh, evil and the good. I, I went to a, uh, uh, a place in Tennessee where they had this uh, concave sculpture of Jesus' face. It was made to wherever you, to be that wherever you stood, the the, the head would turn and uh, and look at you. And beneath it, it had that very verse: "The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the evil and the good." And so He sees everything that goes on. Uh, that's part of the omnipresence of God. Wow! Yeah, impressive. And then you got Isaiah. Isaiah sixty six says, "Thus says the Lord: Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool." What is what is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place for my rest? Powerful. Hey, Amen. there's another thunder right there. <laughs> I was wondering if, you, if it was coming through. <laughs> sound, sound like a grumbling tummy. Are you sure you're not hungry? <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, I did eat, but you know, I could probably take some. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Genesis sixteen thirteen says, "So she named the 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 Lord who spoke to her. You were El Roy. Now, not like the Jetsons, El Roy, but he. She said you were El <laughs> Space Roy, and for she said, uh, in this place I have actually seen the one who sees me. So in this case, uh, she recognized that. Uh, I believe this is a story of Hagar, if I'm not mistaken. That yeah. uh, she she realized that the Lord saw her even when she was out in the wilderness. The Lord was there and saw her. Yeah, yeah, and here and, and here's Isaiah uh, forty three two, and and just think about this because Isaiah is talking, you know, about uh, talking about this as Israel. Um, if you think about it, go back to uh, 
um, Exodus um, and and such. But it says, "When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you." Mm. Protective Powerful. power of God. Yeah. 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 Hebrews 13.5, we were talking about this before the podcast, says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. And so in this case, he recognizes the fact, the writer of Hebrews does, that that God is with us at all times. He provides for us the needs of life. So if we understand that God is always there with us, there's never a time where he's not with us. Right. Right. And... What's what's um, what's really amazing about that is he's saying, hey, you know, just just lay down the idolatry of, of all the other things, of the money, of the of self, of all of that, and just focus on me. And I think that's powerful. Absolutely. So I have one that I was going to surprise you with. Um, well, I actually have one I was going to surprise you with too. <laughs> Good but, minds think alike. But I found I found these, and it just it, it was just like wow, there it is, New Testament pointing at Old Testament pictures and Old Testament things. So let's go to Ephesians four six. It says, "One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all." And then the next one is uh, Ephesians four ten. Um, it says, uh, he who descended is also the one who has ascended far above all of the heavens that he might fill all things. Wow. So Ephesians 4.10, it says, he might fill all things. That's, that, that means all things. When, when the Bible says all, it, it tends to mean all. Absolutely. In his totality. Yeah. yeah. I, the one I was going to mention was from Acts seventeen twenty four through 28, where Paul was talking to the Athenians. And he says, The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. So, you know, there's a conversation now to be had about... Um, this is on Mars Hill. Yeah, on Mars Hill at the Areopagus. And so, so you know, there's there's conversations to be had. Does do, you know, does do we have to meet in a church to worship God? I mean, obviously, yes. I I'm a pastor. I'm advocating for Sunday worship. Don't hold. You know, not saying that we shouldn't. I'm not saying that at all. But does God only reside in a sanctuary? Well, he's basically saying here he doesn't live in shrines made with hands because you could not build something that would confine. God. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. You have a little bit of the aseity of God. Does God need anything from us since everything depends on him? Uh, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things, from one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So, powerful teaching Man, from Paul. The, the mind of Paul. I mean, the guy was an amazing orator. Amazing orator. Absolutely. So, Curtis, I found this thing right quick before we move in. We're talking about dimensions. And okay. um, the, the we live in a four-dimension world right now. So if you were to put us in a dimension, we would be four possible dimensions. So the first dimension is length, the length of certain things. The second dimension, or 2D, would be height, so length and height. 3D, it's like a two-dimensional picture would be like a piece of artwork where you see a picture painted on something. Third dimension would be depth. So you add depth to this. So like a cube would be a three-dimensional object. Or as we're looking at things with the depth in place, that's the 3D world. The fourth dimension is considered to be time. So it's, it's three-dimensional objects in time. That's fourth dimension. The fifth dimension is uh, are different possible worlds that could exist like our own. 
the sixth dimension would be a plane of all possible worlds with the same start conditions. This gets wacky. I'm just going to tell you. The seventh dimension is a plane of all possible worlds with different start conditions. The eighth dimension is a plane of all possible worlds, each with different start conditions, each branching out in infinitely. The ninth dimension is all possible worlds starting with all possible start conditions and laws of physics. A tenth possible dimension is this is where um, our mindset breaks down. It's infinite possibilities. Everything that is possible and imaginable exists in the tenth dimension. And then the eleventh dimension is even beyond that. Uh, and so they think that there are even scientists who've said that they believe that there's good solid evidence for believing that there are 11 dimensions. Um, they say this is a possible answer to questions that arise in super string theory. And don't ask me what that is because I have no clue. But uh, basically according to the theory that all the elementary particles in the universe are composed of vibrating one-dimensional mathematical objects known as strings. And they exist in this 11th dimension if if i'm understanding it even correctly but but at this point all of our understanding breaks down and um even beyond that there, there could possibly be 28 dimensions and god would be in all of those dimensions and even beyond those dimensions so it gets wacky quite honestly to really stop and consider it but uh, if there are god would be in every dimension you know i'm a simple man I am too. That's, some of that stuff, as I was looking at that, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'll just stick with where I'm at. Yeah, same here. Same. Uh, uh, number three, that's question number three. Uh, does God relate to various beings differently? Is there a difference between God's personal and relational presence? Yes, as I was thinking about this, and we were working on the questions before the podcast, I was thinking about this, and and I'm wondering if maybe a better, two better terms to use in this regard is a spatial presence and a relational, personal presence. So, theologically, we know that God is everywhere and sees everything. Uh But there is this, for instance, in the Old Testament... Uh, we, we, we hear of God coming down in the tabernacle, coming into the Holy of Holies, this Shekinah glory, this personal presence of God, where he's manifesting himself to Moses or he's manifesting himself to the, to the high priest. We see this happening on the, the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus is seen in his divine nature and then there appears beside him Moses and you know, Elijah. Uh, there's, this, there's this personal presence of God that is very powerful. I've been in worship services, not that many, but I've been in worship services where you could see a glow in the sanctuary where God was there so strongly that there was like a glow in the sanctuary where his presence was so strong. So... I think there's a distinction we have to make between a spatial presence of God, God being in all places at all times, but there's this personal relational presence where he relates to people in a different way. So while God's presence is technically everywhere, he corresponds to people according to the person's relationship with him. So if you go back to Acts 17, Paul tells the Athenians, that uh, God is everywhere, but He's this God is actively trying to reach everyone in a personal fashion, yet many would reject God's love. So God is spatially everywhere, but His relationship is different with different people. And for instance, Romans 8.28 is another example. It says all things work together for good, but does it say it works together for good for everybody? No. <clears throat> It says it works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right. So there's that personal aspect that we have with God that is that is somewhat different than the than the spatial aspect of God. So God is in all places at all times, but we have the personal presence of God when we enter a relationship with God that is unlike what a person would have without it. That's, uh, so, you know, when you talk about it, it's almost easier to grab or to grasp 
that God is everywhere out there. Mm-hmm. But when we start, when we start, it, I guess it starts to almost cause us to gasp. Is when we when we find out that God is internally in us, with us at all times. Absolutely. I mean, think about this. Even with the Holy Spirit, the mm-hmm. same Spirit has been everywhere at all times already. I mean, this same Spirit was there in the beginning and hovered over the waters and was at creation, bringing things into being at the Father and Son's command. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was moving. And sometimes He came upon people, but it was not until Pentecost that the Spirit was personally, relationally, infused with believers. Right, the, right. The Spirit had been externally, well, of course, internally as well, because He can see all places. He had been at all places at all times already, but there was a personal aspect, a connection, plugging into the power source, so to speak, that happened mm-hmm. beginning at the day of Pentecost. Yeah, right, because, I mean, there were, in, in you know, uh, various accounts where... Um, you know, David was filled with the Spirit. Saul was filled with the Spirit of God. Um, trying to think of all of them. You know, uh, th- th- these these times when you read in there where where it is actually very specific, saying this person was filled or empowered by by the Spirit of God, but it wasn't a universal. You come, you know, it's there. Yeah. 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 Powerful. Well, I mean, even like on Mount Sinai, you know, again, yeah. God is everywhere, but he came in a very personal way. So I think even when we talk about when Paul, he has his near, near-death near experience and he, and he goes into the third heaven uh, to the very personal abode of God. God is in all places, but there's there's a personal aspect there. When we think of even, I preached a funeral yesterday, and we think of the new heaven when God's presence is with us in a personal way in heaven, in a way that it's not today. We can see the presence of God manifested face-to-face, but yet at the same time, God is everywhere already. There's just a distinction, and it's really, this is where... Our minds sometimes, or at least my mind, I can't speak for anyone else, really starts to to be bent. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the fuse, you know, kind of goes out of, you know, or starts exploding in my mind. To think about that God's presence is everywhere, but there's that personal aspect of God that you see in heaven, that personal presence of God that is experienced with with believers. Right. And, I mean, and here's... <laughs> Here's a conversation I had on uh, Monday. Um, a, a fella at work, he come to me and he's like, you know, we were babysitting some some uh, relatives' uh, kids, and uh, his relatives went out to go do something, and so he, they, him and his wife were babysitting. So they watched uh, uh, the cartoon, The Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, it never struck me before. And he's and he just say he's a very very young Christian. He's very very um, new as a Christian. And he says, I've seen this movie several times. He said, but nothing struck me more than when Moses was talking to the bush. Mm. He says, you mean to tell me God's presence was was there at the bush? was talking to him I said well God's presence is everywhere so it gave me an opportunity to talk to him about it but it was a manifestation of a divine moment and 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 that that's powerful to me when people are actually thinking about things like that and bring it up absolutely in a conversation and, and that's that's one of the things that I, I tell people when it comes to theology and apologetics people have these questions sometimes they may not ask them but but i guarantee there are people sitting in the pews every sunday who have some of these questions and uh you know i think that's part of our role here at bellator christie and is to try to deal with some of those topics and try to provide some of those answers yeah yeah and, and his and his point was you know um a year ago 
I'd have said, oh, yeah, that's just, you know, that's just folklore or that's this or that. But he says, it gripped me. Watching that movie, um, it, that that moment just gripped me to the point where I, I recognize, wait a minute, that that's God's power. I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. So it, it was good. It was good to have that kind of conversation. And here's the thing. Um, I'm, I was equipped to be able to handle that can, that topic or that conversation and was able to help steer him in a direction. And it, it didn't come by just the fact that I, you know, happened to know that. No, it was, it was, it was, uh, me listening to him and, and working through the, the issue with him and helping show him as we go, but also asking questions and living life with him. He felt comfortable to be able to ask me that. Mm. Pretty powerful. Absolutely. So, number four um, on this is God's presence in hell. This is a very difficult question to answer, and and to be honest with you, this is uh, this is one that probably deserves an entire podcast. Um, so the simple answer is yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if we go back to the answer we gave before about the spatial presence and relational presence, uh, th- that'll help us in this regard. Uh, while God's presence is, 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 he has the capacity to be in all places at all times, hell is a place that is completely void of God's personal presence. It's almost as if God has turned his back to this place, if God had a back, <laughs> you know, it's it's as, uh-huh. as, as if He has just turned His attention elsewhere, away from this place, and that's what makes hell so hellish, is the fact that it is void of e- any of the the moral attributes of God. If if we think of heaven being the perfection of the fruit of the spirit, which means uh-huh. perfect love, perfect joy, uh, uh-huh. peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Uh, and self-control, um, then hell would be the exact opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. So if God is light, then heaven would be a place of, of great light. But with the personal presence of God removed from hell, then hell is going to be an utter a place of utter darkness, the Bible says. And in fact, I, I think that it says places of utter darkness as much, if not more, than it talks about fire when it comes yeah. to hell. So... I, I, I picked up a, um, a, a commentary by uh, the great Thomas Oden, and, if you, and, and he has some wonderful works out there. Uh, he was a guy who had been liberal at one time early in his career, and he was convicted by Orthodox Christianity and became a, a, a conservative later in life. And he's, he talks about this thing he calls the metaphor of exclusion. And I read what he says. He says, The note of exclusion prevails as the most solemn aspect of the judgment of the wicked. Just as heaven is God himself, one forever, so hell is God himself as eternally lost. The essence of hell is final exclusion from communion with God because of one's own fault. Damnation consists in the loss of the sight and presence of God. As heaven means God, so hell means no God. Those who have freely chosen to go their own way will be baptized with fire, and that last baptism, which is more painful and longer, which devours wood like grass and consumes the stubble of every evil. So, while spatially you could say God is there, personally and in communion with God, it is non-existent. And that is what makes hell so hellish. God's presence not there. Yeah, the personal presence. The personal presence of God would not be found there. Um, Even now, as we have that spatial, relational uh, mixture of God's presence in this space-time as we now exist, there's the opportunity. God is reaching out to people. And that's why I'm I'm not a hardcore Calvinist. I, I believe God is reaching out to all people to bring them into that communion with Him, to, to go from a state of... Because uh, we're either in one or two states, a state of, for, of forgiveness, a state of communion with God, or a state of non-communion with God. And God is working to bring people in communion with Himself wow. 
And and that is going on, I think, for every single person out there. Uh, but the problem is, is when a person chooses eternity without communion with God, then they get an eternity without communion with God. Whenever a person chooses to respond to the communion of God given to them by God, then they live with with an eternity in communion with God. So it's really kind of a state of being as we find ourselves entering eternity. Mm, yeah. So um, number five, I want to kind of go into this here. Does God's uh, omnipresence lead to pantheism and panentheism? If not, um, how and why are they different? Can you give a just a brief of what each one of those are? Yeah, absolutely. So pantheism is the idea that the universe is God. That uh, you find this often in Buddhism and and in um, Eastern religions as such as that. Panentheism yeah. holds more that there is God, but God is in everything. Uh, that and that and so the the. Panentheism and and the omnipresence of God are are more akin to one another than pantheism is, uh, right. because pantheism doesn't believe necessarily in a personal God, but it believes the universe is God. You may hear people say, uh, "Well, you, the universe won," or something about the universe chose. Well, that's kind of a pantheistic notion. Panentheism believes in one personal God, but emanating everything. So, in other words. You would say the chair you're sitting on is God. We're God. Uh, the bug swarming our head is God. Everything's God. Obviously, Christian theism doesn't teach that. So when we talk about God's omnipresence, we're saying that His presence is in all places at all times, but we're not saying that God is a rock or God is a piece of wood or... Right. Those things we're just saying or his presence is is all around those things, but not necessarily in or not is those things or are right. those things. Right. Yeah. Just remember that when you killed the mosquito. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, does it lead to uh, any of those? No. I think if you define the terms and you understand that uh, that God is different from creation, the creation and God right. are two different entities. Uh, so uh, I think if you hold that in distinction, you can say that God is in all places spatially, but it doesn't mean that those places where he is, that those are him. His presence may fill those places, but it doesn't mean that those things are God. So that's the right. key distinction. Well, I mean, and here's how my brain's thinking on this, Brian, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, if... If we're saying, you know, that that um, the trees are God, the the bugs are God, so on and so forth, then we can't call it creation because it wouldn't be created. It was it, it's God. It's omnipresent and always been there. Absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So let's go to the last one here. How should omnipresence affect our spiritual life? You know, I, I was I kind of ran out of time in preparation for the podcast, and I was really wanting to dig in deeper. And so, I'd really love to get your insights on this too. I, I think as we as when we consider the omnipresence of God, there are several different factors that impact our lives. I think prayerfully we should seek God and know that God can be with others when we cannot. Uh, I think we mentioned this last week that there was something like right. over 2,000 miles separating us. You're in Montana, I'm in North Carolina. But yet the same God is with us at the same time, at the same moment. Um, if we have a loved one who may be on the other side of, of the nation uh, or, or on the other side of the world, God is with that person. You know, for instance, there was a, there was a, a lady in our congregation who lost a... Uh, family member recently in, in another state and uh, she would love to be there with a the family but but she cannot you know, she cannot be there with them but but at the same time if we understand that God is omnipresent we know that God can be with those people when we cannot we also if we understand God's omnipresence this helps us in times of death mm -hmm. that if we lose a person that God is just as much if that person is in communion with God, that that person is just as much 
it actually more with God if they're in heaven. They're actually more in the presence of God than we are even now on earth because there, there are distinctions between the two different dimensions where we are even spiritually and physically, so to speak. Uh, so there's a distinction to be made there as well. So um, it, 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 it should help us in knowing that when we pray for someone, that God can be there for that person even better than what we ever could be. Personally, I think it should impact us to know that God is everywhere. That, uh, you know, no matter what we're going through, He's there. I mean, the things we may be worried about, some things in the coming up in the future, God's already there. He already knows. And then regarding justice, uh, we read passages of Scripture that talked about the eyes of the Lord being everywhere. Uh, God knows the injustices that are going on. God is not only omnipresence, but He is all-wise. He is all-knowledgeable. And in the end, He's going to take care of things. So I think that really the omnipresence of God when coupled with some of the other attributes should really provide us peace and comfort that really nothing else in life ever could. Yeah, I was just going to say a, a security. Um, I, I was in conversation with, the, with a group of people the other day and we were talking about, um, we were talking about how Paul being in prison and, and writing Ephesians and him looking at the soldier, um, you know, as he's writing, he's looking at that soldier that's chained to him and he's, he's writing down saying, you know, put on your helmet, put on your sword, use your sword, sort of, sort of the word. And, and as he's going through it, but you also read and hear and just kind of pick up this tone that, um, People may have been saddened. Oh, look, Paul's in jail or prison, and and uh, you know, and he, and and he's chained to a guard. But yet, Paul's attitude and and demeanor towards it was, I'm put here uh, on a, a divine mission to, and and that guard, I'm not chained to him. He's chained to me. Mm. You know, and when you when you also read a lot of the scriptures that Paul was writing at that time, he was saying it's it's because of God's presence that I'm here, and it's because of God's presence that I'm able to get through this. Absolutely. And it, you go into um, uh, when he, when a lot of people use it, you know, at football games, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not so we can play basketball at a better pace. Um, or, or you know, make the touchdown, or any of that. That's that's not what that's about. It's it's about I can get through all the persecution. I can be thrown to the lions. I can be chained to these Roman guards. And the reason I can get through it is because Christ and God, God is with me. And and I think that was I think that's something. It, it's something powerful to think of and to understand. It's those things. When we understand God's presence being with us, it's almost, it, it is a security, and it is a, um, an encouragement, but it's also empowering. Mm. You know, it, it gives us that, that boldness knowing that I'm going to speak here, God, to this person. I know you're here with me. You know, do what you got to do with it. You know, let the words go. Let the words that you want to be said, let them be said. The words that you don't want them to be said, then then don't don't let me speak them. And I think it's important to understand as as we do that and we work through our life and our and our daily lives with our friends and family. Um, it also kind of provides a little check in our spirit. You know, if we're saying you know God's presence is with us. Um, well then, would he want to be? Would he be uh, pleased with what I'm doing right here, right now? Very true. So yeah, and, and that that should be something that uh, should ca- cause us all to have better accountability, to realize mm-hmm. the fact that that this personal God is everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. that He sees us not only in public, but He sees us in our private lives as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I've I've often. 
it, it really bothers me. But I've often found uh, people will, will use religion as uh, a means to get ahead or or or, or even as a, uh, a crutch, so to speak. It's, and what I mean by that is that, that they'll try to put on a good good front uh, so that there'll be one thing on Sunday, but there'll be something else throughout the rest of the week. But the reality is, is this God knows who we are every day, of every, <laughs> every, day, every hour of every day, uh, at every moment of our lives, God is there and knows us. And really we should be more concerned about what god thinks of us than we should about other people mm-hmm. i mean quite honestly i think a lot of times we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like but right. <laughs> but but when god is the one really that we need to be concerned with right right and, you know kind of comes back to a conversation i had well last fall when we were um uh, we were talking about football, um, and and this this friend of mine and I were talking, and he was saying how a couple of his buddies just get so wound up. They're you know they're throwing things at the TV, jumping up and down on the couch, and you know, and they're 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 all wearing you know, well they're Raiders fans, but they they're wearing um, all their Raiders gear and so on and so forth. And I said, you know, I said what what saddens me about that. As I said, I can't even get them into a church. And mm-hmm. if they were to come into church, they would they would sit there, not cheer, not do anything. They'd sit there with you know just uh, you know with the, with this sad face or or grumpy face that they had to be there. I said, but here's the thing, I, I'm that same way when I go to a football game. I, I'm like, yeah, you know, they're just they're just players and so on and so forth because I have the I have I guess. I'm almost at that mindset where I, I'm not going to cheer louder for a team that has no idea I, I exist than I am going to cheer or pray to or talk to a, a God that knows me personally, intimately, and 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 I can relate to that. And so I, I have I don't know that was one of those conversations when uh, we were talking about it. He was like, you know, I've never looked at it that way. And I think there's times where, yeah, we can all go and enjoy and have fun um, doing our sports and doing our racing and car racing and so on and so forth. And, and we cheer, but just be cautious because there's a God that knows you and loves you and is right there with you. That, that's exactly right. Because you know, it, it, I'm a big-time Green Bay Packers fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your support. But, you, <laughs> but it dawned on me, you know, one one year, and 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 you know, I always enjoy football. I miss that and ice hockey. Believe it or not, you know, being in the South, I love ice hockey. But those are two of my favorite sports. And but it dawned on me, it dawned on me one one year as the season was getting started. You know, it, it's just almost as if the Lord was speaking to my heart and said, you know, what if your team wins? What if this team wins the Super Bowl? I, mean, I don't know anybody who actually is on the Packers team um, then, nor do I know now. If if you know if I want if they won the Super Bowl, yeah, I'd be cheering, I'd be celebrating, and whatever. But what happens the day after? You know, you know our teams win championships well and good, but uh, does that hold any eternal significance in the end? And and so that it kind of was really. Uh, I still watched football, and I still, you know, celebrated the Packers' victories and, and mourned their losses. But at the same time, I, I, I approached it differently. Not, not so much full board right. as I had before. I, I was kind of more grounded whenever right. I saw, uh, saw it from yeah. that perspective. And that was part of, our, part of our discussion when I was discussing that with him. He was, um, he, he was observing that his friends were off the rails with that. And I'm like, yeah, um, it's kind of amazing when we start, when, when we get that check in our spirit and we're able to, um, see things as what they really are. Absolutely. Well, Brian, this has been a good podcast. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, Same so, here. uh, yeah. So just tune in, uh, next week as we go into the, the number three of, of this series, actually it's number two of the series, but, 
with the with the first one being an overview, we're going to call it number three of the series. So um, just be prepared and make sure you check back. Um, any of you guys that want to look at uh, moving your podcast player over, just uh, check out the website and it's self-explanatory and it'll help you out. So and just one, we, one additional word on that, if I can. I mean, it's very as you mentioned before, that is very simple, very easy. Uh, yeah. It just it's just a matter of finding it on on podcast manager and clicking subscribe. I miss mean, very simple, very easy. Yeah, yeah, and they they did that. Um, I'm not really sure what they got going on, but I'm sure they're doing something to streamline some things and uh, be able to help uh, track some stuff. Um, you know, I'm sure that's probably the biggest thing. So, but anyway, uh, we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life.
Point your heart to True North, the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today.